2: This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by the horror short film Vody, from Little Baker Films. From the muck and the mire of the swamps of 1980s Hollywood, rises a new kind of cartoon pal. Celebrated artist Al Yakko returns to his family's abandoned storybook home in Los Angeles to claim what his father and grandfather could never achieve, eternal fame. But Al gets more than he bargained for when he discovers an old drawing in the attic that takes on a life of its own. Vody. Can his trusty animated confidant Bugsy pull Al out of the sinking bog that Vody has sunk him into? Or will Al sell his soul for the chance at seeing his name on the big screen? Vody is Dario Argento meets Walt Disney by Lil Baker Films. Now, if I could just, like, put a pause in this ad for a half a second, I'm real sorry to do this, but Dario Argento meets Walt Disney is the mashup I didn't know I needed, and I want it put directly into my veins. Uh, Vody is an indie horror short film about a cartoonist who returns to his family home in Hollywood to find strange visions and family curses. It's one of a whole slew of projects from Little Baker Films, and you can follow their progress online uh, at littlebakerfilms.com or on Twitter and Instagram at Films. That's L-I-L-B-A-K-E-R Films. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street.
3: The current time is 666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John
2: and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm John, and I'll be joined by Kim very shortly. We are here for another Nightmare Alley episode, the, the spooky Side Street podcast and the regular Nightmare and Film Street feed. We are talking with four of the directors of the new found footage horror anthology, VHS 94. Uh, we're talking with Jennifer Reeder, Chloe Okuno, Simon Barrett, and Ryan Prowse. We did record this over Zoom. Uh, ahead of the world premiere of VHS ninety four at Fantastic Fest, the Fantastic Fest PR team, the people handling the interview, had them set up in the karaoke rooms. If you've never been to the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas. Uh, they have a bar attached to the actual movie theater, and above that bar is a is a is a series of karaoke rooms, which is usually where the the interviews uh, are conducted. Unfortunately, uh, the Wi Fi connection was not incredible, and the acoustics of those rooms are not built for podcasting. So, uh, apologies up front for that. I think the technical issues are absolutely hysterical, though, because it really does feel in line with the found footage discussion that we're having throughout. There are a few uh, a few moments where we have some delays. Uh, at some point, Jennifer Reader and Chloe Okuno just disappear out of the Zoom chat completely, but we all roll with it. And you know, overall, this is a really fun interview, and I've actually kept a lot of those technical problems in because they they made they made me laugh a lot. Uh, so I hope you enjoy them as well. VHS ninety four is the fourth movie in the VHS franchise. Uh it's a series of uh, a- anthology films. It's actually available on Shutter right now so you can check it out. There are five segments, six if you want to get real technical about it, but like one of them's kind of a secret and it gets tagged on to the end of Chloe's which is which is great. There's no need to worry if you haven't actually seen the anthology film yet. Uh, there are no spoilers. There's a little bit of discussion about just, you know, found footage in general. Uh, the steps that each of the filmmakers took to sort of recreate the shot on video aesthetic from 1994. And about how 1994 is kind of this pivotal year for for, for amateur film, uh, specifically in news broadcasts. It's a, it's a big thing that we talk about with Jennifer Reeder regarding her segment, which is actually a wraparound that follows a SWAT team. But of course, if your watch list is as long as mine is, especially now in October, oh boy, are there a lot of horror movies to watch out there, and just not nearly enough time. You know, don't don't worry. We're there's nothing that we talk about in here that's going to ruin the movie for you. Um, and really, I would highly recommend that you check it out before before Halloween. I think anthology films are perfect for your Halloween horror watch list. They're just bite-sized little pieces of of weird shit. Uh, and VHS-94 is 100% that. Kim and I have both been big fans of this franchise since it first started, and we're super happy that we've got another installment to talk about here today. So I'm going to throw it off to the trailer, and we're going to jump right into our interview with filmmakers Jennifer Reeder, Chloe Kuno, Simon Barrett, and Ryan Prouse. Please search
3: warrant! for fire!
2: alive in here. Did I just press the button? the red button. Just press it.
4: I guess if I'm paying
2: extra
1: for this. Yes.
4: This is a remarkable story. Hello?
5: The veggie masher turns your vegetables into a tasty,
3: mmm, mouth-watering paste.
6: Hello.
2: Hey there. Hello. Hi. There.
6: Sorry, I just dropped my my microphone. Like <laughs> as soon as we got in.
2: <laughs> Are you guys in the karaoke rooms? Is that where they have you? Oh yo, yeah. Yo. That's fun.
5: Maybe. It's it's chilly perfect acoustics (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah congratulations on the world premiere tonight i'm sure you guys are excited about that buzzing
5: i'm very excited i I haven't this is my first time at fantastic fest and this is how you do it
6: that's awesome yeah it's it's such a fun vibe and uh everybody's gonna dig vhs it's a great crowd for this movie
5: oh for sure they they better
3: we've been like pumping the crowd getting them ready yeah yeah, I, I walk around people and I kind of say like, "Hey, I've heard VHS ninety really fours <laughs> yeah. like, hey, that? Wow! 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 I I, I want to get a ticket. Wow! And then you know, and so I think I think uh, I think we're gonna sell. I think we're you know we're gonna have a couple. We might
2: fill half of the theater. <laughs> Has anybody had a chance to have any good barbecue while they're in Texas? Not yet.
5: I got I got queso. We we immediately hit. The queso joint. I got like two tall boys of queso. Like threw them down in the uh, <laughs> in the alley back behind the theater, and now I'm like ready to to rip. Just greasy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've eaten
3: anything but like draft house food since I got here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my body is dying. <laughs>
2: So we were gonna we were gonna ask you to just do a quick little roundtable, just sort of you know say your name, introduce your segment, like a little TLDR what it's about for for everybody listening to this later on. Sure. Uh,
4: yeah, sure. Hey, I'm Jennifer Reader. I I um, wrote and directed the segment. It's called the Wraparound, and it is um, you know without spoiling anything, essentially about um, a SWAT team that invades what they think is a a drug Super lab, but they encounter something else super instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Chloe
7: Okuno. Uh, my segment was called Storm Drain, and it's about a reporter uh, who, with her cameraman, is going to investigate a sort of local legends called the Rat Man. Um, and she goes in thinking it's just a really stupid puff piece, but obviously, uh, it turns out to be a little more serious than that.
3: <laughs> um, my segment follows Chloe's in the film. Uh, I'm Simon Barrett and I directed a segment called the Empty Wake uh, which is about a young funeral home employee who's given the job of officiating an overnight uh, memorial service as well as filming it for the family of the deceased for the memorial video and it's just what unfolds over the course of that evening And I'm Ryan Proust and I did a
5: segment called Terror and it's about a... Um... Uh, militia who uh, get their hands on a supernatural uh, entity that they plan to use as a weapon to fell the uh, the mighty U.S. federal government.
6: Awesome! Thanks so much. That's that's a great way to just put uh, the face to or the voice to the sh- the segment.
2: Yes. Sure. <laughs> So uh, we wanted to ask you, you know, initially like about the development process for your stories. Like were these like individually, like were these were these scripts that you had, you know, in your drawer, you were just waiting for somebody to ask you to shoot it, or was this something that you you wrote specifically for VHS ninety
4: four? Oh, well, so I actually sort of inherited part of the the storyline. So I so David Bruckner was supposed to direct the wraparound, and then he got called away to Hellraiser. So I was actually brought on pretty late in the game, so to say. And so I inherited a concept that was perhaps begun both by Simon and, and, um, and David. And then I, I, um so I didn't want to change it too drastically, you know, because I knew that that Chloe's segment had already been shot. Ryan's segment had already been shot. I think Simon's segment was in production when that happened. So there wasn't a lot of room to just like reinvent the entire wraparound. But I still feel like I was able to come in and, and inject myself into that story. Cool. Um, yeah.
3: For me, you know, I, I, I it was the story idea was like one of those like, I assume this is probably the same way for, for Ryan and, and Chloe. It was like, you know, when they when I was invited to participate in the project, you know, you start kind of spinning your wheels about like what kind of horror story, you know, you've always wanted to tell that maybe works better in a shorter found footage format than, than in a feature format. And, you know, and, and in particular, I always wanted to tell, you know, kind of a corpse horror story, uh, you know, I was influenced by a lot of other films, but wanted to do it in a different style. So, so for me, it was like
2: trying to think of like, what's a good VHS segment, um, yeah. Corpse horror sounds like a very specific but very odd <laughs> and cool subgenre. <laughs> How about you, Chloe? I, uh,
7: yeah, you know, but you know what I mean, right? It's not kinda
3: of, it's not zombie horror.
2: Yeah. But I think we're out the same.
6: Oh, I think we have oh, a little bit of a delay.
2: Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like corpse horror, it's very specific, but always cool. Got
3: it, got it. And then you and then you ask Chloe a question, right?
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Aren't the two of you like like five feet apart or the four of you <laughs> five feet apart from each other? They're in the, the next room.
3: <laughs> they're, they're in the next room, but for legal reasons, we have to do it this way.
7: <laughs> for me, I I came in and, and pitched, I think, a couple ideas uh to David Bruckner and uh to the other producers. And it was the sort of storm drain idea that that aspect of it going into a storm drain finding like a creature um, was something that I've been playing around with a little bit uh, as a feature idea. But I, I really like the idea of doing it in the sort of found footage format. So yeah, that's that's how it happened.
2: How weird were those other stories you pitched? Because like I gotta say, like storm drain is so it's it's so much fun, <laughs> but it is it goes to such places. <laughs>
7: <laughs> it does. Yeah, um, yeah. The other one i think the other one i pitched was like i had just come back from a bachelorette party which was hilarious because like i don't i don't know why i'm telling this story but like there was like these like male strippers that kind of seemed to
6: like terrorize all of us not in like a really bad way just in the way that we're
7: like oh my god like a naked man in our living room what's happening
6: <laughs> and then the horror maker in yourself you're just like i'm gonna make a movie of this
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think they can hear them we just can't hear them
6: Oh, we can't hear, though. I think we they froze for us as well. It looks
2: like they've frozen, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, with, with that in mind, Ryan, tell us, a, <laughs> tell us a little bit about where your short came from, your segment. So it's just going great. I, we couldn't hear that.
6: Oh, no. Can you oh, ask it no. again?
2: This no, it's going ever... so good. This is going good. This
3: is the way I'd want it to be, I think.
6: <laughs> This is great. This is the unofficial added segment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, it looks like one. Completely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> frozen. That's really, that sucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, well.
2: uh Oh. And oh. they're gone. Oh. <laughs> okay.
3: Oh, oh, no. Chloe and
5: Jennifer, come over here.
2: <laughs>
5: why, why are we separated? <laughs> We're lost. We're lost in the draft house. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs>
2: That's We've unofficially walked right. into VHS t- 2024 uh, uh, yeah. I assume.
5: <laughs> it just got taken out.
2: <laughs> uh, I've seen this
5: movie before. <laughs> but, so yeah, uh,
2: Ryan, where where did your uh, where did the idea for your segment come from?
5: Uh yeah, definitely just sort of uh, you know, trying to think what scares the hell out of me and uh it happens to be uh militia violence uh, which is on the rise and 2021, 2020, and also uh, 94 as well. So it felt uh, apt for today and yesteryear of of horrific terror events. Um, That mixed with, you know, such a fun, I mean, the VHS series franchise is is a fave of mine. And it was so fun to kind of like uh, think on like, okay, what was gonna be my approach to found footage in general, but then also, you know, my way into it was, like, more of those, like, 90s white-powered documentaries that were on HBO, like, every other weekend you just watched nonstop uh, or, like, about skinheads or whatever. So, I thought that was, like, a kind of a fun uh, way to, to, to twist the, the found footage approach a little bit.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your
2: success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time, visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you you mentioned like thinking about 1994 and specifically because we were curious like if uh, like what you guys were doing to sort of, you know, establish it as like a a segment from 1994, like either visually or, or in the story. I like I've got your answer a little bit, but like vi- visually, like what, what were you pulling from to try and to make it look like it's, you know, 20, 30 years old?
3: Well, I mean, I think visually was kind of like like the visual, the visual opportunities that it afforded us was I think kind of the original inspiration for setting it in 1994, um, which was really actually David Bruckner's idea. Uh, I should say, you know, he kind of creatively put this together, you know, and and the 1994 of it all was, was his notion because it would uh kind of force us to use such like antiquated analog technologies. Uh, and I think if, um, if, if Jennifer and Chloe were still in this interview, <laughs> um, how great it is to work with me. Uh, what I think they be saying is uh, that they, that Jennifer in particular, like really was looking at like, you know, kind of what was going on in 1994, like videos that were like permeating the culture. Um, and, and she was very like, she was really trying to go for a very specific, Uh, aesthetic, you know, relating to those videos. For me, I was more just like, this is terrific. I get to really make this look like actual VHS, you know, which has such a, you know, distorted look and and, and kind of um, creates an additional layer of just like creepiness and verisimilitude for the story I was telling. You know, the downside is you lose a lot of detail. So like my main, uh, the the lead actor in my film, uh, the lead actress, uh, Kyle Legend, um, you know, I I worry people kind of actually can't see her performance uh, sometimes. (laughs) uh, we we've got the whole group here. Uh, oh, perfect. I I mean, slide on.
6: Hello
3: again. Hello
6: again. Bye.
7: Brought the conversation to a crashing halt. No, 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 no. I was just crass.
3: saying that I felt like if you two were here, you'd be saying kind of how inspiring it was to, to work with me and kind of like. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> like, like, you can you can kind of, you can answer the questions. <laughs> like, you know, a living legend in your presence. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like Chloe and Jennifer. they they probably would have said something like that but anyway
6: they're here yeah so we were just kind of talking on um the actual kind of visual tech of 94 and how you embodied that in each of your segments if you two have anything you want to add in terms of like how you were going for you know like the 90s vhs aesthetic visually yeah i mean we
7: i I don't know how much they talked about like the the actual like technical side of it not at all oh not at all Um, Yeah, I was, I was really into that when I heard that they were doing like VHS 1994, that was, I mean, the main thing that attracted me to it was it's VHS and I love the series and I love all the filmmakers who've been involved in it, but I really liked the idea of going back and doing like a 90s period piece. So yeah, I mean, with ours, funnily enough, like a lot of it because it just sort of takes place in this storm drain, it isn't in some ways like very, very specific except for wardrobe. But yeah, we you know we did a lot of camera tests for how to get the right look of it. Um, we shot digitally, ended up doing a few different tape transfers to get the sort of authentic like VHS look, which I think is incredible. Um, and my DP, Jared Rabb did an amazing job.
6: I will say your uh, news anchor hairstyling was very on point 90s. <laughs>
7: that's very true actually yeah that that the sort of like bob the 90s shoulder
2: like blown
6: bob. out yeah <laughs> it was great
2: and yes what, and when you say tape transfers are you saying that you're taking like what you shot digitally and transferring it to a vhs tape
6: yeah that's so awesome a few yeah. yeah
3: everyone had a different process uh each filmmaker had a different individual process to give them like a different look uh so it wouldn't be too exhausting but uh, but everyone everyone did something crazy I, I, while you were talking, I just realized I wish I could set every horror movie in 1994 because characters don't have cell phones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that alone, like, 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 nine out of ten horror ideas I have, cell phones just like don't get me past the first scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh
5: yeah. The cell phone is the slasher, the killer in the room. Probably.
2: And so Jennifer, how how about yours with the uh, with your segment? Uh, Simon was actually telling us that you you were really paying attention to like 1994 culture and in in, uh, in what you were lo- looking to do.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we, I mean, the same thing. We shot you know with like an aria Alexa, which is a really nice digital camera, and then we ran it through both Andrew Appel, who's the DP, who actually also shot Simon's section. We both really love the tape transfer of Betamax, which like has a lot of. Um, artifacting in it and then we added even a little bit more artifacting so so it felt like especially kind of grimy and um, glitchy and crunchy but um, because I knew that my section in terms of the kind of production design would feature a lot of monitors then I was thinking a lot about about 1994 and how many events we remember from 1994 that are preserved on video? So, for instance, like O.J.'s Bronco chase, the Nancy Kerrigan um, knee whacking incident, yeah. um, Kurt Cobain died. There was the you know the the David Koresh you know Waco fire. I mean, there was a lot of wow. events that we that we knew about through amateur video and so without you know infringing on on copyright there's little bits of some of that footage in in um in my section oh wow
6: that's so true too because that growing up in the 90s as a kid the home video recorder was such new home tech that i remember like for there was a period where my dad was taking videos of like every single christmas birthday thanksgiving like nothing would happen but we would record it <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah and i think that now we're very used to watching i mean there's so many things that so many news events that we know about based on amateur, you know, video. I mean, obviously now it's all cell phone, but, you know, I mean, not to get too deep, but kind of like prior to the Rodney Graham, um, you know, beating or Rodney King, rather Rodney King beating, you know, there was um, like analog home video footage did not exist you know, like on broadcast news, you know? So with that with like that Rodney King incident. And then after that, we really, you know that kind of analog video signal um, as as like news footage, you know, became much more prominent. And I think that 1994 is, is a year where we know, we understand a lot of the most kind of pressing events of that year just based on, you know, home video, amateur analog video.
2: Damn, that's a really good point. Nineteen. Like, suddenly, this movie seems like way more believable, too, because like we were all paying way too much attention to O.J. Simpson or Waco, Texas. We didn't even know about the, the <laughs> fucking thing that happened in the funeral home that no one wants you to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we were actually uh, like we're really big fans of found footage as well. And like we just think it's a completely different medium for storytelling than than any other subgenre. Uh, and we were maybe hoping we could uh, get you to talk a little bit about uh, like crafting a story with that sort of first-person perspective, and what it's like to make scares out of that.
1: Well, I mean, I,
2: I guess I'm kind of the found footage expert at the table, having done
3: the first two VHS movies, and also Blair Witch, uh, which is like certainly more than I ever fucking intended to. The Godfather <laughs> of found footage? I can mean, we call it in a way, in a way, I think you that? You can say that I'm the Godfather of found footage. <laughs> But yes, so, so and, and uh, yes, and people do. Uh, and so, but, um, but you know what, like, I mean, so that you know, obviously I, I've, I've spent way too much time thinking about it, but you know, I mean, the general challenge of it is, you know, it, it, it kind of takes a lot of the fun out of directing because you're making your choices. You know, usually in horror movie language, the thing, the tools that you use to scare people are actually taken away from you when you're making found footage. You can't use score, you can't use edits. You can't use like, you know, stingers and sound design, you know, and in theory, the camera should only be looking at what it's looking at. If a character would have a legitimate, plausible practical reason for aiming it that way. Obviously you get a lot of leeway with those things past a certain point, but you know, but it's, 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 it's tough what it buys you however, you know, is, is well, a, you know, I, I think the VHS of it all, just kind of going back to what Jennifer was saying, like, I'm just always interested by how the aesthetics of like super eight film, even though that kind of existed before, I, uh, that was really popular kind of before my time. Um, it has a nostalgic kind of warmth as an aesthetic, whereas the aesthetics of early video are very alien. They make people look very hideous. Uh, they they like you know, the contrast is so bad that like even the most beautiful person looks like washed out and 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 pasty or strange on on early video. you know, it just it's just like inherently, Uh, It has a different effect on us, kind of emotionally. So you have that opportunity to use that kind of visual aesthetic, which obviously you can't if you're making a normal movie. And then beyond that, there is something kind of wonderful about you know being able to take people on enough of a a on the type of narrative ride that they can sort of pretend is real. Yeah. Turn off your brain and be like, like, what if, what you know, like, and feel like I really am watching you know police raiding a building or you know like like. News broadcast that like you know was lost uh buried because you know it it, it uncovered the truth about Ratma. um <laughs> you know I, I i actually really do enjoy that just as a viewer when a found footage movie can kind of get me there and, and make me turn off my brain and so you know that's that's the positive about
2: it the negative i would like to actually talk about more but i i that was a pretty long answer anyway <laughs> anybody else have anything else they'd like to add about that footage I feel like we just got a lecture I'm sorry <laughs> I, did, I did a Blair Witch movie like I, I, I have a lot
3: to say about
7: it I, for me I felt like like I chose to do one that was single camera which I think was probably a mistake <laughs> in the future I would not do that um but yeah it kind of meant that I had to do the thing which I always frankly felt like I was really bad at as a filmmaker which is essentially a winner just like blocking a scene and doing it in a single take and figuring out a way to like you know block and like create camera movement that still tells the story and also creates beats and creates stairs and that's really hard to do but I enjoyed it I don't know if it was successful but I enjoyed it because it was a challenge and it kind of felt like yeah like choreographing live theater or something at a certain point and having to find very strategic cut points in there because we also had effects and yeah, it's actually in a way I think it's harder than you know traditional filmmaking. Yeah, and, and effect effects
2: wise, like for you Ryan and, and, and Jennifer, um like how like some like that you both have some really good effects in, in both of your segments. Uh like how much of a challenge was it to shoot around all of that? Like just given the nature of what fan footage is. Yeah. <laughs> uh
5: i uh again i it, it, that was like the fun of it was like simon was saying of like um of like we want to make this feel like a an incident that you're like watching play out in real time but then you keep notching it up with um like supernatural or or otherworldly or like you know like things that you couldn't you wouldn't see mm-hmm. normally so that was to me not that was like the whole purpose of doing it was like okay how can we make this feel like a documentary you know and in, in, in the case of my segment um where they're they're capturing you know a creature on the loose and we're actually witnessing that happen and um i think part of it too the like to me the fun of like kind of cracking the story and the code was definitely um you know like thinking about like uh who's who's the camera person and why are they still there <laughs> <laughs> else is going down. And like, you know, I, I think especially with found footage, it's like that's almost the first, you know, step to to cracking the story is like what's the what's putting the camera there and and building around that. Um and I just thought, you know, these idiot macho Militia dudes would definitely be walking into a barn where there's some kind of creature on the loose (laughs) and like would have no problem doing it. That uh, was fun to write.
4: Cool. And I would say, you know, this is the first found footage project that I've done and I feel really particular about my cinematography. Like I use a lot of close-ups. I use a lot of cross-dissolves. I mean, in my previous work and, or my non-found footage um you know films and so it was a challenge you know to 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 make something that felt like in terms of the cinematography still felt like it was coming from me and you know again without giving too much away at some point I knew that there needed to be a bludgeoning and I thought about you know what would be the most interesting way to to do that in this format and um yeah, well, I won't say much more, but, you know, that's how the, that's how the, my segment, you know, ends with a particular kind of, of bludgeoning, which in real life might, might not actually be, <laughs> I think uh, something else would break before the other thing breaks, but, um, you know, we, we take liberties. It was, it was a great choice. <laughs> yeah,
6: without spoiling that, that is a very on point bludgeoning. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Top
2: 10 bludgeoning of the year. <laughs> make that list. And so, how about just like last question? Like dead media? How do you, do you all collect dead media? Like VHS tapes? Any,
6: any VHS fans, watchers of VHS, still?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah came up on it. Yep.
6: Yeah.
3: I mean, I guess all media is kind of dead. So uh, yeah, yeah, true. You
6: know,
3: yeah, I, I, I collect, yeah, I mean, I, I, I continue to buy physical media in, in technically modern formats, but you know, but it feels like I'm already celebrating you know a forgotten thing for arbitrary reasons related to my own like hoarding instinct are you very than, you blu-ray
6: know. specific <laughs> I, 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 I,
3: I probably uh I probably have like a, about a thousand blu-rays wow yeah and then I have and then I have like 3,000 records I, I cl- I've been collecting you know vinyl since I was a little kid so I have, I have a lot of records I, I actually have like had enough record shelves made and I have like two, two turntables in an apartment with as many bedrooms, you know. <laughs> but, okay, that's, that's what I would rather spend my money on, I guess. I mean, you know, I, uh, that's all success really affords you is, is the ability to ideally keep working and then also to, to buy more of the crap that you kind of bought before. Oh, and I guess you don't have the constant terror of living in a society without a safety net whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just, just twenty cc's of morose with every question. there's <laughs> <laughs> that too? I guess I should. Mention. I should that. <laughs>
3: all
2: right. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you all very much for taking the time to talk to us today.
6: Yeah, and you know, navigating the tech issues too. That was yeah, <laughs> very well done. <laughs>
5: yeah, we're, we're we're indie filmmakers. It's on the fly. We're ready to right,
6: Thank you all so ready. much.
2: VHS 94 is available on Shutter right now. Let us know what you thought of this movie over on Twitter at Podcast and in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at NOFSPodcast.com slash Discord. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us hear about it. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the easiest way to support the show, and it really, truly does help grow the horde and get the podcast in front of morphines like yourself. Nightmare on Film Street, of course, is a free podcast, and you can support the show for $0 by recommending it to a friend or talking about it on social media to to anybody that you think would enjoy it. But thank you again for listening, and until next time, stay creepy. It
3: appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy,
0: fiends.
5: Done.